comic book nations the pull list i am matt aguilar and i joining me today is a guest that we wanted to get on for a minute jamie lovett as well as my uh best friend uh in nashville kofi outlaw how you guys doing wow i didn't expect that intro hi buddy what's going on uh yeah welcome back to the pull list and uh this is comic book nation where we do it all for geek culture including on comic day with the pull list and uh i'm excited because I feel like this is our first balanced day, really, like our most balanced day of talking about both the big publishers. So I'm excited. Yeah. And we even got in someone that's not the big two, right? I tried. There was just a lot of there was a lot of Marvel and DC stuff this week, but I, I do try to make sure we get image boom. Uh, you know, so many of the other of the publishers uh in, in the mix here. But uh Jamie, welcome. It's awesome to have you on. Uh, and we're going to talk Spider-Man uh, this this time around, and, and I'm hoping that it's more positive than the last time we talked about Spider-Man. So uh, let's get started. We're going to start with the amazing Spider-Man Gang War First Strike number one, which all that means is that, hey, this is the setup for the next big Spider-Man event, and you should start here. Um, this one, I, man, I, I got to say, I know I was like super, been super down on Superior Spider-Man. Some of the stuff that the Spider books have been doing with like, um, especially the Miss Marvel thing. If you watch the main show, Combination, you know how I feel about that. Uh, but I got to say, uh, you know, my main question going into this was, can this, can Gang War kind of be a story that brings me back into the Spider-Man world, brings me back into the Spider-Man books and has me looking forward to them every week? And this is a, for me, a very promising start. I, I dig all the mafia stuff the like all the crime bosses battling each other i like it when they do it over in batman <laughs> and i and i like it when they do it over in spider-man because we don't actually i i think spider-man's rogues gallery is just as strong as as batman's but i also think like some of the underboss like the mid-card characters some of them are even stronger and i just like to see them trying to go for power and how spidey fits on that uh spider-man gets gets a little bit of a Rick James slap in the face from from Miles, and I think that was well deserved. <laughs> and I was kind of cheering him on as that happened. So there's a lot of stuff that happens here that I really dug. I came away from this actually hyped for this event. Uh, Jamie, how do you how do you feel about this? Am I way off base? What do you what do you feel? Um, I had mixed feelings about this issue. I was really looking forward to it because what I've been enjoying about the amazing Spider-Man run right now is all the stuff with Tombstone. All that stuff has been really cool, really unpredictable. Uh, so I was looking forward to this. This issue left me feeling like I like the idea behind it. I wish we were getting a slower paced version of it where mm -hmm. we got to see a little more of the, like the, the backstabbing and the plotting that, you know, Hammerhead kind of talks about, but we don't really see. Uh, I do love all that mafia stuff you were talking about. I love how just absolutely sleazy and terrible Hammerhead is in this book. Uh, but then when we get to the end and it's just like synchronized explosions across the city, I was like that. I don't, I don't know if that's how a gang war works where they all just set off pyrotechnics at the same time. It just seemed really weird. Uh, but yeah, the art on the book was a little hit or miss for me too. Like a lot of the, the conversation scenes were very, busy to me but the scenes with miles and peter those looked really good i yeah. thought the action in that was very good uh but yeah so kind of a mixed mixed reaction from me oh uh, i guess it's over to me uh i actually well you know we always talk about like first issues here that's my whole big sticking point is like 
what does a first issue do, especially for events and crossovers like this is going to be. And so I think, as I say, the best Marvel ones are always ones that have simple enough premises that like you can that are a through line that you don't lose as we get into things, but that allows for that kind of bigger scope of story. And I think this one does it nicely. I think at the heart of this, this is like a gangland story. And that's kind of the fun of it. it it's like the Godfather on cartoon crack with superheroes, you know, um, based on the artwork. And like you said, like Hammerhead's very cartoony in this, but it also like very sleazy and terrifying as a gangster in this whole. And, you know, more more kind of interesting than Hammerhead arguably has a right to be as somebody with the psychology of like, I'm coming out on top and it's a dog eat dog world. And this is how I look at everything and kind of to see him get played. I, I took the explosion thing at the end to be kind of like uh, no spoilers, but like the villain, the villain that's kind of revealed in this um, mm. at the end to be like the, that Riddler moment where they're mm. like kind of setting everything off and then they're watching the chaos kind of ensue. And it was Makes all sense. orchestrated. Like, that's just the way I, I, t- I took it. I don't know. <laughs> like I just kind of filled in those blanks in my brain. Um, but I liked it and I like that there was kind of like a twist in, in kind of the villain setup in this. And so I think they've opened up a playground that's, that's interesting enough. And I was going to get into my recommends later, but I also like read the Luke Cage kind mm. of thing that comes with this, uh, which made me believe like, okay, like I'm invested in this. Like this is actually interesting. It's interesting when street level stuff gets shaken up in the Marvel universe. And I like the cast of characters that they've already teased. We're going to see, I like Peter, I like Miles. I like at the center of this, there is a story about like Peter being out of touch, kind of in a weird non-heavy way, but Peter Parker being out of touch with the streets Mm. and like the common folk that he used to kind of thing. And that's kind of a funny meta thing about Spider-Man has been doing, you know, all this other dimensional stuff, like all these mystical, like all this other really comic booky stuff. While Miles has been kind of like more like the street Spider-Man. And so, that whole conversation with them was really well done and kind of really, really well written and miles, not letting him off the hook and just being like a conversation you might have with a friend you're with, like a strain with like, look, man, like, you know, I was a thing. Like, where the hell were you? Like, we've all had that conversation. Right. Like that there's actual character stuff at the core of this big thing, but I'm also psyched to see like the bigger thing. I want to see like, um, you know, Electra's daredevil and mm-hmm. like what happens when she's holding down the streets and all these other characters we're going to see seem interesting to me. So I'm kind of in like weirdly invested in this crazy Marvel gangland tale. And so, yeah, this wasn't like an absolute home run for me, but like I'm somebody who's been like really hard on Spider-Man comics lately, especially in this year where like it, it feels like Spider-Man's been hitting on every level except comics where everybody's just like so enamored with spider stuff. And like, and then we get to the comics and everybody's just like, Bleh. so, I mean, this is, I- I'm glad we're at least getting back to a street level Spider-Man. If uh, you know, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a very good point you, you made about how like Spider-Man is like, he's all Spider-Verse all the time recently. So yeah. it's very cool. Also, it does feel like a lot of those street level heroes, like, you know, uh, Electra and, Shang-Chi or whatever have gone underutilized for a while. So that's another very cool thing about this book. 
You muted. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I did. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think what Kofi brings up actually is another strong point is that I read, and we'll get to this later, but I read the Spider Woman uh, series, and that is also um, not specifically it's listed as a as a tie-in but actually the series itself and like what her current kind of setup is for her own journey weaves right into this it's like a, a big part of that so like after having two stories already in the first week that kind of tie into this really well and i think actually do what tie-ins are supposed to do and that they like the you know all the diamondback stuff is dealt with a lot in spider woman and so when that stuff happens here and striker and all that you're kind of like oh okay like i already know part of why that's important i already kind of see that angle and so you're going to get that from all the families supposedly throughout the other tie-ins and stuff i think that's really if they can execute it on that level that just makes the the core series better and this premise lends itself to that so i i was really excited like i i agree with jamie like you know there's some there's some dips with the art but like that whole sequence with miles i thought was fantastic <laughs> Um, I think some of the the cage stuff and I even like I mean, I was invested in the, you know, in the the story that really kind of, you know, kicked off a lot of this and the wedding and, and the way that couple is turned against each other, not because of them, but because of outside forces and all that someone vying for their dad's seat right in the mob, like all of those things are interesting. So I yeah, I kind of I was all in. I was like, this is this is dope. This is like bringing me back to why I used to love this this character and the very 1970s Spider-Man ish in a weird kind of way. Like if you've ever gotten your hands on those comics, like this was kind of like the vibe back then. <laughs> like everybody was kind of when New York was really going through hell and it was like gritty <laughs> street level Spider-Man. Like I like that. I like and like Frank Miller, Daredevil. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm excited for this. Yeah. So um, as someone who has also, like Kofi, been a little hard on, on the current, you know, Spidey era um, and even the era before that, <laughs> to be fair, uh, I, I'm excited about this. And then let's let's move over to the other uh, side of the fence and the big two and something completely different uh, in tone and in, uh, <laughs> well, everything, really. Uh, Alan Scott, the Green Lantern number two, we had a chance on the main show. You can check that uh, full interview out with writer Tim Sheridan all about Alan Scott issue one and two and kind of teeing stuff up for what's coming in the series. Uh, and we got into a lot of the kind of bigger, um, kind of bigger elements of this and, and why the story matters and how it's really approaching the character in a layered and, and nuanced way and bringing something to the character, I think has been touched on, but has been missing uh, in a lot of ways. And I guess my main question is, you know, this is, while it while a lot of it deals with the past and its flashbacks and things like that, I think this is like the perfect starter kit so far to understanding Alan Scott, understanding aspects of the JSA. I think this is like a really wonderful entry point into this character and this whole kind of side of the of the universe. And if the series continues, like this would be if someone wants to learn about Alan Scott, I would hand them this book. And I think it's on course to be one of those series. What do you what do you guys think? Um, I mean, yeah, I already have the bias of having also sat down with like Tim Sheridan and talked about all this. And I feel like I asked him the question that kind of cracked open a lot of this about history and the historical research he did. And I was really we were trying to talk about the first issue because that was what we were here and we were kind of hyping at the time. But I was really so invested in this issue. 
Um, and I told, and I made the joke to him, like, I was not okay after reading this in the deviant, like back to back. Oh God. Yeah. <laughs> we could just like, what is the world? My God. Like, yeah. And they're very similar stories. And, but this, I'm with you. Like, this is one of those things where, you know, I've been reading comics long enough to realize like sometimes when I'm reading like something that's probably going to be kind of a definitive re like re uh, I can't say definitive redefining, but a redefining moment for like a character. And I feel like that's what we're seeing here with Alan Scott. Like, I mean, this alone is like a bottle episode of something that I could, or bottle chapter, but a bottle story that I could see as like a episode of an HBO series, like a prestige series, like this exact comic, like this kind of broken down would be right up there with like what Lindelof did with something like Watchmen, like this, would be kind of really powerful, deep, haunting, really good story and really kind of moving between points to show you the hero and their formative experiences in like really good just as in set in this kind of ho almost horror style or feeling setting of Arkham being used as this kind of conversion therapy thing back in, you know, these days. And it's just, yeah, it was it was really, really, really well done story and how it intertwines with like Alan Scott's origin as the Green Lantern was just really well done. And it builds to an actual like really good climax and all that. So, yeah, man, that was like that was up here with like, yeah, one of those single issues that I was just like, wow, like, yeah, I'm going to remember this one for a pretty long time. So, yeah. Jamie, do you have a chance to check it out? And, and what did you think? Uh, I did. I went and I, I read both issues because I missed the first one uh, and I loved it. I mean, I love that they are, this feels like a, uh, something akin to like Batman year one where they're going back and not like not rebooting what the character is, but trying to make their origin make sense with who that character is now. And with Alan Scott, that means, you know, his, you know, they, they made him a queer character a few years ago. And now that part of him, that, who Alan Scott is, is now like tied to what the Green Lantern is in a way that you can't separate the two. It's funny that you mentioned Watchmen because that's literally what came to mind after I got done reading this, is that if you got someone of that caliber to do this on HBO and set apart all of the like brand confusion stuff that might happen with them being a Green Lantern uh, and got high caliber writers to do it, this would be a great like HBO style series. Um but yeah, you you need the writers to do it because you couldn't you couldn't cut around the human drama that is that Alan Scott is involved in now to just do the fun superhero stuff. You if you cut that stuff out, you'd have nothing left, which I think is great. It makes him uh, a much more interesting character. It gives him a much more interesting backstory. It makes Alan Scott feel like a fully realized person as opposed to just the older Green Lantern. Uh, right, which I think is very cool. Also, I want to say I I love the art in this book. Uh, I talked about the art in the other book being a little bit busy. This one is very very like clean and clear. Uh, it's like the opposite of the busyness, and I really like that. It had a very uh, very evocative of that. Like it's not actual golden age art, but I feel like it's what people think of when you say golden age. If that makes right, sense. but yeah, yeah, it has I, a vibe. Yeah, Tor Torme, I believe Torme. Um, yeah. I was I'm not sure if I ever quite get the the name right, but uh, fantastic! Like what a what a brilliant fit uh, for the book. And I agree with you on the 
you know, and, and even what Kofi said, the prestige thing, like this screams, you know, when we read uh, Supergirl, you know, Woman of Tomorrow, like that screams prestige format. Now, obviously, that's getting a movie, but like this needs to be an adapt, like an adaptation for screen. Some yeah, somehow yeah. I know well, I know like, Discovery has like flip-flopped on like HBO Max stuff and all that, but like man, like this is just sitting on a platter for you. Like, please do it. Yeah, oh yeah. We gotta get Matt Bomer. We we figured this whole thing out. Die Matt Bomer, blonde, you know, get him <laughs> he's already doing this with curious travelers, and like, yeah, just just flip it and get like a prestige kind of Green Lantern series. Just tell people it's not related to that you know, James Gunn space this, stuff. Th this like, would be yeah. perfect for that. Uh, they launched the like Elseworlds banner basically just for Batman and Joker, right? Yeah. Like this would fit really well, I think, under that. Exactly. Yes. Maybe I'm just high on Doctor Who still, but I think like if you attach like a Russell T. Davies to this, uh, yeah, it, it'd, be, it'd be fantastic stuff. Yeah. yeah, this. I mean, if you hate money, don't do it. But if you <laughs> want money and you want to get a whole demographic like invested in some roughly loosely superhero stuff like this is a good way to do it yeah. um yeah so yeah i mean yeah i think we can move into i mean yeah really. hit your um you had a couple of things you wanted to mention so let's 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 knock those oh yeah okay me first oh sure yeah, so yeah. Uh, i didn't send in any artwork because uh we're doing a million things over here but uh just to recommend uh we had it on here but we made room for alan scott and i'm glad we did but uh penguin number four um tom king i don't believe how many things he's writing and juggling right now but uh yeah, Penguin is one that, again, like, one of those things, like, you know, I, I it's Penguin, and it's just more of a cult hit type thing as a blockbuster, like Supergirl, but as a cult hit, it is a very interesting portrait of who the Penguin is, why he's been around for so long, why he should be respected and feared as a villain, in a way that I think few people could pull off. And this issue is great. It has to do with Penguin and his married life. And it is, uh, it's pretty funny. And each issue is a great kind of crime saga with, and this one has a good kind of like twist at the end. And again, they take in a very obscure DC character from a way different place and bring it in and flip it. And it, it's kind of entertaining. I, I suggest people check it out. Um, the other thing I didn't mean to do this, but while I was scrolling and reading through comics, you know, sometimes you're scrolling through those Marvel ones up and down and you accidentally do a side and you end up on another comic. And so I ended up on Marvel Zombies number two, which I haven't cracked into, or uh, Red, White, and Blood, or whatever it is. And the first story in there by Gail Simone, I started reading for a second, and it got me, like, hooked. And I, it's called Under the Eye of an Unkind Future. And my God, like, one of the best Reed Richards stories I think I've ever read. I suggest you read it. It's a, it's a fantastic fourth story set in like you know uh, the marvel zombies universe and it, it's a sci-fi story a kind of psychological drama story and a reed richard story and it's freaking fantastic it's something i would like hand to pedro pascal and be like look okay take this and it's like a really good portrait of who reed richards is how he thinks how he views things and it's an awesome sci-fi story so shout out to gail simone and dale eaglesham the artist it is oh, a oh Dale. That's a team. Yeah, yeah it that's is a team. Gorgeous story, and there's panels in here, and the artwork is crucial to like how the story functions by the end, and it is just like heartbreaking. It's great. So, didn't even mean to find that. Found it. One of the best Reed Richards stories I've ever read. Wow. And my last one was the Luke Cage gang war tie-in. Uh, 
kind of puts Luke Cage back out there and in a kind of fun, exciting way. And just kind of was my evidence while Matt was reading Spider-Woman that like, yeah, this gang war thing might have some legs. Like, is it interesting playground? The streets of New York are not safe. There's still the vid, the Fisk act is still in place. And how do you deal with that with everything that's now happening? How do you actually save people when it's like the law is not really helping you out here? And so Luke Cage has got to deal with that. So good books this week. Uh, And those are just the big publishers. Those are not even everything that's out there. So that's my. Yeah, no. Um, so, and, and elsewhere in Marvel, uh, Moon Knight 29, we're, you know, we're moving to the final, you know, hours of Moon Knight and, and Jebba has been kind of moving things along. And this book really uh, kind of takes the biggest jump towards that. Um, and I, I got to say, like, okay, so I'm going to whip out this reference that I will whip out every chance I get because I love the big hit. <laughs> and so this is a trace, bust a bust a twist in this book that that like kind of saves it because there's a big reveal and then i was kind of deflated by the reveal but then there's like another reveal that like sits on top of that and like makes it better so i was like okay cool like it kind of felt like oh that's it and then it was like nope and i was i was, I was happy i was very happy it was a, it was a psych gone well but i but i think there's a lot of stuff in here and I also think this issue shows how strong McKay has done so much work in Moon Knight supporting cast and like building them up between, you know, Reese and G's eight ball and soldier and like Tigra and all these characters are really building them up to a level that like when they're all together doing this big mission, you're, you're like invested in all of them. You want to see them all survive, not just Mark. And I think that's a really impressive thing. And and it shows a lot here as we're kind of getting to this, big culmination uh something is killing the children number 35 i'm not kidding i i know i've seen the praises of this book year in year out however this arc has been one of the best arcs in the series to date and this feels like a season finale of a show that like is just so well done you care about the characters you're invested not everything goes well. In fact, a lot of things go horribly and I cannot stop reading this book. It, it, and it also has this thing of like giving you satisfying payoff to the story that it's telling, but also setting huge things up for like what's next. Because like there's a status quo change here for Erica that, you know, is going to just like fundamentally change how she goes about things. So um, it's uh, it's impressive and I cannot sing the praises of it uh, enough. Um, is it good? Is it really it, good? It's really good. And I know is it it's really, really good? good. So good that I have to send you books. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I was yeah, trying to actually get good. past it. This is a series you should jump into and, <laughs> and get into and get yeah. immersed in. I will get, I will send the book. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's happening. Sure. It's happening. All right. All right. So uh, next is the uh, DC Titans uh, Beast World. I had the chance to uh, chat with Tom Taylor all about the the first issue and you can find that up on on comicbook.com as well but i i all i gotta say is garo okay and i know that's like spoiler territory but not really like everyone knows that this issue even from the preview has beast boy turning into his own version of starro which is garo and it's and the whole sequence and how things get there is just like 
quintessential Tom Taylor. Like it's so well thought out from, for, and it's been seeded so far. Like the first couple issues of Titans have built to this. So this isn't just like an all out of nowhere event. This is actually the first Titans event, like event book ever, which is nuts to me. Cause I actually didn't know that before, <laughs> before you. So I just, it, it comes out swinging. It does some big things. It's very Tom Taylor. And that is a huge compliment because I pretty much love everything he writes. So can't, can't say enough. Uh, and then as we mentioned, uh, kind of wrapping up to gang war, uh, Spider-Woman number one, I'm a big, I'm, I'm a huge, everyone who knows me here at comic book knows I'm a huge Spider-Woman fan. And I've adored the past few series, but for different reasons, like some of them kind of focus on different aspects of her life and leave other ones out. And sometimes that, you know, like I, I want to see a book sometimes that like brings all of those various aspects together. And so far, this one's hinting that this might be this might be the one we're actually dealing with stuff from her from her death that I hated. But we're actually seemingly making that matter. And it's it's a heartfelt thing of why it matters. And it's bringing an aspect of her life from, you know, the Dennis Hopeless series that I adored break back in as a focus. Like there's a lot of stuff happening here. And the game war stuff is interesting, like her interactions with Spidey, especially tying into where Spider-Man ends and his whole thing saying, I need a team. This ties directly into that. So uh, promising start. Definitely suggest to read, especially for, for longtime fans. Uh, but that's uh, that's it for recommendations. Jamie, do you have anything you want to recommend off top? Um, I haven't had time to read much beside the handful of books I reviewed for the site this week. Uh, those all happen to be good. Uh, there was Batman 89 Echoes, which ah. continues the Tim Burton version of uh, of that universe uh, with the screenwriter of the first film continuing to write. The real draw is Joe Canones and colorist uh, Leonardo Ito. Mm. Uh, they nail that like gothic aesthetic of those Burton movies, which is really what everybody loved about those movies. Uh, so that was a lot of fun. And this one is introducing... Um, the Harley Quinn we never got from the theoretical sequel uh, in Scarecrow oh. and uh, some other stuff. So that's really cool. Uh, and it looks like we're going to get Batgirl as well. So that's, yeah. Uh, and I also read, speaking of Joe Canones, uh, he reunited with Chip Zdarsky to do the Howard the Duck 50th anniversary special. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a bunch of like Howard the Duck what if style stories. Um, so that was neat. Uh, the, they're always funny and great together. Uh, and then I also read the last issue of Wild's End, which oh. is a book from Boom. It's the second series in that universe. They're both just called Wild End, Wild's End for some reason. Uh, but the basic pitch of that series is War of the Worlds meets Wind in the Willows. So it's an anthropomorphic alien universe, and they get invaded by the Martians from War of the Worlds, basically. And you end up with something that's like a cozier, slightly more optimistic version of The Walking Dead, uh, which is say it doesn't shy away from the like sudden death stuff, but it's less about how humanity are the real terrible ones and more about how like they band can band together uh, when the chips are down sort of thing. Uh, oh, interesting. End up loving the series. It's, the art's beautiful. Uh, highly recommend people check them out. There should be two trades out soon. Uh, so very cool. So yeah, awesome. that's what. Uh, so let's, before we depart, uh, let's get a, a record pass here from, uh, let's start with Amazing Spider-Man Game War, uh, First Strike. Kofi, you giving it a thumbs up, thumbs down? Thumbs up for me. Woohoo! Jamie? I'll give it a thumbs up, sure. And I am, like, 
I think I'd almost give it two thumbs. I was so hyped. But I think, again, I, I come from <laughs> bars. I don't want to, like, overhype it. But, like, the bar was kind of low for me. So, like, I'm so just so glad to be excited about Spider-Man books. But still, very big thumbs up for me. Uh, and then Alan Scott, uh, The Green Lantern, number two. Uh, Kofi, what you feeling? Oh, definitely easy thumbs up. Jamie? Same. Very much a thumbs up. Okay, well, now that I said I had to give two to Spider-Man, I have to give three to Alan Scott. <laughs> this is the problem. You just keep, like, upping the thing. I'm going to have, like, 20 thumbs up. It's going to be all useless. They're not going to mean anything. It's going to be like, whose line is it anyway? All right, so that is uh, this week's comics. Of course, you can check out our main show where we still talk about comics, but we talk about everything else uh, going on in geek culture. We also have a uh, bonus episode that we recorded on Monday. So special two for this week. Uh, you can find that on our Comic Book Nation YouTube page. You can also find that on the audio podcast side of things as well. Uh, and uh, welcome back next week. Excited for more comics and uh, peace. <laughs>